0: So first we're going to start off with some basics on what is Passover. Let's start with the story of Moses. A lot of you have seen the typical movie, the story of Moses. Hey, there's even another updated version, the Exodus. My husband, uh, I drug him to it because he's like, I've already I already know the story. He's like, I don't care. Hollywood is trying to be godly. you got to throw them a bone. We're going to go watch it. And so uh, there were a few things a little wrong with it. But I, I'm telling you, a great way to really understand the Word of God is seeing uh, it portrayed right in front of you. And uh, it's, it's an updated version of the the old Moses movie, you know, where the God talks and he's like the earth shakes and it's all very old and dated and technology. So uh, I recommend going to see that. But we all know the story. He is a Hebrew raised in the palace of the Pharaoh, right? I'm going to hit the high point, so y'all stay with me. Realizes he's, hey, I'm a Hebrew. He, (laughs) He gets kicked out because he realizes he's a Hebrew. He also has this burning bush experience, okay, where he has a visit from God, and he realizes that God has a plan for his life. He goes back to Egypt to rescue the Hebrews from slavery, and in the course of that, God sends plagues because Pharaoh doesn't want to release all of his free labor, right? So the plague is where I want to start, the last plague specifically. The Lord would allow the angel of death to kill the firstborn male in every house if he didn't allow the Hebrews to leave Egypt. Why don't we start? I'm going to skip around today. I have a lot of scriptures. It's like covering the biggest part of who we are in 40 minutes or less. I feel like I'm, I'm like going to go super fast. So I'm going to not read all of Exodus 12. I'm only going to hit the high notes. So y'all try to stay with me. And if you can't take good notes, okay? Exodus chapter 12, verse one. Perfect. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. Exodus chapter 12 verse 7. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. Skip to verse 12. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. Notice that's lowercase gods because they're not real. For I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign. Everybody say, serve as a sign. sign. Marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, everybody say, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you. Thank you, Jesus. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, I want you to notice here, I'm going to read this. This is very important. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as special festival to the Lord. This is a law for what? For all time. A lot of people have tried to toy with the fact, well, when Jesus came, we don't really have to celebrate Passover, you know, all Old Testament was canceled out and we live by grace and we don't have to celebrate all of this. We're gonna just celebrate the Easter bunny. No, no, no. I want you to remember here, he says, this is a day to remember forever, and it's not something give or take. It's a law that you will celebrate this feast. I I have to tell all the kiddos, I, I love the Easter bunny. I think he brings awesome gifts like marshmallow peeps. They're my favorite. I've already had three packs. I probably, I just feel like, I know the sin is just coming right out of me. I just, it's the, it's the holy place. It just comes in, right? Just flows out. I've already had three packs of peeps. I love the Easter bunny, but I will tell you that the Easter bunny is not the real meaning behind Easter. Passover is the reason we celebrate Easter and the Easter bunny, he's cool, but here's the deal. He, he's, a, he's like a Gentile. He can celebrate. He's covered, right? He's covered in the blood. He can show up and he can bring in some Easter eggs. But the bottom line is, is we don't recognize and realize what the true season is about. We are skipping over our heritage as believers. If you spend more time prepping for your Easter basket than you do studying the Word of God during Holy Week, you've missed the whole point. I, I got to explain that to my child on the way to church today. This is Holy Week. You remember? Let me tell you about Palm Sunday. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to lose track of time and not take a moment to explain to my children what, who we really are and what he really did. They're still going to get an Easter basket. <laughs> and half of the peeps will be eaten. So that's who we are. The blood smeared on the doorpost meant that the Lord would see it and know that they are covered and they are safe. That is where we get passing over. You get it? The Lord passed over those houses because he saw that they were covered in the blood. Now, I want to start with my first Point, the Passover feast is a time of remembering how God saved us. The blood covering the doorpost is a sign that the Lord would pass over. It is a foreshadowing. That's a big word for some of you kiddos out there. It's Family Sunday, so hang with me. Foreshadowing our Christ's blood covering us and our saving us and renewing us and protecting us. Basically, the Lord said... I'm going to have you do all of this, but you're going to realize later once I send my son that really he this is just temporary for your sin, but he's going to come and he's going to wipe it away forever. Yeah. So it was a foreshadowing. You'll notice throughout the Bible that God foreshadows his son all throughout the Old Testament. Just Tail after tail, you go, that sounds familiar. That's because God wants you to, in the back of your mind, know that he is talking about his son even before he ever steps foot on the earth. That's why, wanted, that's why I wanted to name this Prophecy Fulfilled because people don't even study the Old Testament, but what they don't realize is the Old Testament is God talking about his son all throughout before he ever shows up. It's like a grandparent whose kids come into their house and they don't stop talking incessantly about how awesome their grandchildren are before they ever get there. You are worn out by the time those grandkids show up with stories. You're thinking this has to be uh, the the, the baby Jesus showing up because he is perfect in every way. They have made him out to be awesome. That is the Lord. He wanted to tell you how good God was before he ever showed up on earth. God created a feast 1,400 years in advance to mark his son's death. That is some serious party planning. That is, some seri- that is like a really organized God to plan 1,400 years out. 1,400 years out to the day that the Lord would show up and he would be everything that they, they didn't have. Redemption of sin forever forever. Let me tell you, it is hard for us because of the time that we live in. We are so politically correct. And we are so we are so cautious of hurting people's feelings and scaring people away from church and all that. That sometimes we struggle with the word blood. It's not it's not cool to talk about. Did you know that? I don't know. Some old school's like, yes, you can talk about it. New school's like, oh, we don't talk about that because. You know, when Jesus said, you know, drink my blood, it kind of scared some people away, and so we're not going to do that. But there are two specific things that happened here. There was a sacrifice of an animal. Each Hebrew house had to sacrifice an animal. But there was also the covering the doorpost. And there are two separate events. See, here's the thing. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. And he was sacrificed just like they sacrificed the lamb. Then if that's all that there was, was salvation with the sacrifice of the lamb and the exemption of sin, then there would be no need to cover the doorpost with the blood. There are two separate things and they say two very specific things. See, the blood represented safety. The blood represented covering And yes, the lamb was slain for the sins of the people, but the blood on the doorpost had another separate meaning, all on its own. Just like his blood wasn't just for our sins, his blood was for so many other things. The blood of Christ is not easy to talk about. It is not cool. It is not politically correct. There are churches all over in America right now, in Holy Week, that will not mention the blood of Jesus. All over. They won't talk about it, but the blood is protection, the blood is salvation, the blood gives peace, the blood is redemptive, the blood is powerful, the blood is life-giving, the blood cleanses, and most of all, it says in the word of God that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. There is something to be said about covering the doorpost with the blood of the lamb. I have been renewed in my mind about pleading the blood of Jesus over my children. There's a lot of debate, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of debate that people say, you can't plead the blood of Jesus over your children, because it's not in scripture. It says to pray in his name. But I promise you folks, when you pray in his name, you are talking about the blood that he shed. Amen. And so, maybe it's not cool, maybe I'm throwing it back old school, but I lay hands on my children and I say, I pray protection by the blood of, the, of Christ. I I pray overcoming power by the blood of Christ over my children. And and I call upon his name and what he did to cover my child. And when the, the enemy comes to attack them, he will pass over them because of the blood of Jesus. I can't change it. I can't change that the blood is not politically correct. But it is what it is. If you want access to everything Jesus gave to you, not just the the remission of sin, if you want everything that he gave, you have to look at that blood and know where it comes, where your power comes from. It is what it is. You're either going to call it up and be politically incorrect and be the parent that steps out of their car and says, I pray over you and I plead the blood of Jesus over you and you're an overcomer or you don't and you don't access any of it. There is so much more than just I, I. Oops, I messed up again. Let me get my sin taken care of. There's so much more. He would not have been raised from the dead if he didn't want resurrection power bubbling in us. Yeah. Yeah. So we celebrate the blood. It is part of the Passover. If you skip over the blood, you have skipped over major parts of what Christ did. In Leviticus chapter 23 verse 2, speak to the children of Israel and say to them the feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. I'm going to break down some Hebrew. Y'all knew it was coming. Y'all know that in my mind I'm a Jewish archaeologist and I just I love Hebrew and Greek and the whole thing. So are y'all ready? Put your student hats on. Here we go feast in this scripture, if you'll put that scripture right back up there for me. Feasts, every time you see the word feasts in scripture, the Hebrew translation is moed, M-O-W-E-D. This is Hebrew for a fixed time. Convocations, and some of these words differ when you, trans, when you change uh, translations, but the same word is used in Hebrew, and we Sometimes we say, well, they'll better understand it if we change the words. But this word, whether convocations or not, in the way it is translated in the Hebrew is mikra, M-I-Q-R-A. This means dress rehearsal. An appointed time to meet, to run through an important event. Can I just tell you something funny? I I am a professional wedding goer. I I do it all. I I go to the wedding and go to the showers and the ones I can make, but most of the time I'm a professional wedding goer. As a pastor, we show up almost at every single one, the ones that we can show up to, we're there. And I will tell you that the funniest thing you will ever be a part of is when the children come down the aisle, they make or break the wedding. You want a good laugh, watch a kid scream for their life running down an aisle Do You want to laugh, watch the bridesmaids bribe them with candy at the the front. You want to laugh, watch a little girl pick her dress up to get up the stairs and flash the whole congregation. That was me, by the way. Um, (laughs) Back in the day, Pastor Benny Hinn was my pastor. I grew up in his church until my teen years, and I was a part of the very last wedding he ever performed. And uh, it was his hairdresser, actually, and so, and so I had the big '80s hair because you know a hairdresser is going to have a serious hair wedding. Okay, I had the perm; it was ginormous. And so I come down the aisle, and I had a hoop skirt on, and I, my parents said, "Baby, just pick it up gently and walk up the stairs, and then uh, you won't trip on it." Well, I did. I picked it up and I lifted it over my head, and Pastor Benny went, "Oh my gosh!" Like. <laughs> Funniest things happen at weddings with children. That's why there's a dress rehearsal, so that all of the nerves can get calmed down before the big day. And if you don't show up for the dress rehearsal, who's mad? (laughs) Bridezilla. And she will come after you and hunt you down like a dog. The bottom line is is that it's okay for the kids to not know what they're doing and panic and scream, but is it okay for for the... the men and the adults, to act like fools? No, because there's a time appointed to learn what you're supposed to be doing. It's a dress rehearsal, and the Lord said, these are what my feasts represent. I'm going to put together a festival of feasts in which you will learn how to rehearse when my son enters. And everything will be set up so that when he sits down at the table, you won't even realize it because you're a disciple. And these just, they go over their heads. Everything just goes right over their heads. But you will be taking the Last Supper in the way that I had attended 1,400 years earlier. It's a dress rehearsal. And I'm going to have you rehearse it over and over again every year for 1,400 years just to make sure you got it right. That is how awesome God is. That is is why the son rising from the dead, dying on the cross, all of those things is such the crucial part of the word of God. He wouldn't have had us rehearse it for 1,400 years prior if he didn't think it was something important. He didn't want messed up. Amen? Did y'all know that? That's good stuff. Now y'all know the Moed and the Mikra, and I want you to go home and blow somebody's mind that you know Hebrew, Okay. God, throughout his word, has been prepping us for things of importance. The sacrifice of the flawless lamb was a foreshadowing of Christ's sacrifice, and now it's a reminder that Christ fulfilled the ultimate sacrifice for sin. It was a dress rehearsal. The Passover is prophecy fulfilled. Now, this is where it gets good, and I feel like I'm going to drop some knowledge bombs, so... There's going to be a lot of information, and if you would love to take notes, because I'm telling you you're going to want to go back and chew on this, because it took me that long. I kept going back in it in my notes. It took me weeks. Weeks I have been prepping, and I still am blown away at how prophetically on point God is. It's just amazing. It it blows my mind. Christ fulfilled every prophecy given in his word. Now, here's the thing. If Christ had not fulfilled every single prophecy, Part of the prophecy about his coming in the Old Testament, he could not be the Christ. So every single thing was perfectly in place. Everything that was supposed to happen happened. And I mean everything. Let's start with Luke chapter 22, verse 15 through 20. Then he, being Jesus, said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. With you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is what? He's talking about prophecy. I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, Check this out. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Check it out. Here he is saying, for 1400 years, every time you sat down with your family at a Passover feast, you said, Do this in remembrance of what God has done. But I want you to change your lingo because I'm here. Do this in remembrance of me. And he's saying, I hope that you're getting this now, disciples, that I've been saying I'm going to leave you, but you still question who I am. And I'm telling you, I am that which has been prophesied for 1,400 years. I am he. Do this in remembrance of what my God has prepared for me to do. He is fulfilling prophecy even now. Here are some other prophecies that he fulfilled. This is just a few. What I suggest you do is you listen to a Messianic Jew talk about the Passover. Because they will blow your mind. Not just a Jew, because the Jews don't believe that he was actually the Son of God. Did you know that? That is why we pray for the Jewish people. We want them to know that Christ truly was the Son of God. But a Messianic Jew is, a, is Jewish in, and, and also believes that Jesus was the son of God, died and rose again. So their whole take on theology is they get it, they get what the cross did and the resurrection did, and they also get Jewish culture and they put them together and it is like the best preaching I've ever heard in my life. I mean, just blow your mind. And I can only take a few points out of here. So what I suggest you do is you look at like Mark Biltz, who's a messianic Jew, and kind of chew on some of the stuff that he's giving. But I'm going to give you a few prophecies. Here you go. The lamb to be sacrificed would be brought four days before to the temple. Let me explain. You know how it says the lamb has to be spotless and without blemish, and that's the one they sacrifice? Okay. So what people would do was they would bring their lamb to the priest to, for it to be examined to make sure it was without flaw so they could use it as their sacrifice, and the priest would say yay or nay to the lamb. Side note. That's what the money changers were doing when God flipped over the money changing table and was angry. It's because the the priests in the Romans were saying, nope, that's not a flawless lamb. Here, let me give you one that is and you can pay for it. And they were recycling the lambs through. So they were making money off of what was supposed to be a sacrifice to God and not giving it to the Lord. I promise you that. So that's why the Lord was so angry when he came in and flipped the money changing table over is because that's the kind of sin that was in the priesthood. So four days before, everyone would come and bring their lamb to be examined. Did you know that on Palm Sunday, was, he, he entered and he had to be in Jerusalem for four days to be seen and witnessed by all of the people? He stayed in the town of Jerusalem for four days before so that he could be fulfilling what the lamb was fulfilled four days before to be seen as spotless. He was showing himself to all of Israel saying, here I am, I'm the lamb, check me out, I'm without sin, I'm without flaw. Everything that the lamb meant or that had to be done to the lamb happened to Jesus in every way, every single way. Then it says that before the Christ fulfilled, uh, before Christ fulfilled Passover, the priest would tie the sacrificial lamb to the altar at 9 a.m. They had this down to a marked time. Just like church starts at 10 here, the priest would come in and they would tie the the lamb up at 9 a.m. in the morning. Do you know what time that Jesus was put on the cross? 9 a.m., very good. And you know what they did because nails weren't enough? They tied his hands to the cross so that his wrists wouldn't undo. You know, you know, I know that's not a fancy word, undo, but you know, that's the truth of the matter. At 9 a.m., while the priests were binding the lamb, they were binding Jesus to the cross at 9 a.m. And that is biblical history. So at the same time that they are going about their normal routine for Passover, they are truly sacrificing the lamb. And, and they also, the Jewish culture, I don't know if you realize this, they're very methodical about what they do. Everything's in time and everything's done correctly and in order and and. One of the worship songs that was sung, or the some of the worship that was sung is in Psalms uh, 113 through 118. Great, great idea to read through this during Holy Week. It's called the Hallel. Have you ever heard of that? The Hallel was sung during Passover, during all the four cups that the pastor has talked about for the Passover meal. Now, the cool part about this is that at the end of The uh, 118, the last part of the worship that was being sung, it says in Psalms 118, verse 27, it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. The priests are singing this, right? The clergy is singing this. Bind the festival sacrifice with cord up to the horns of the altar. They are literally singing this, and then they bind the lamb. So they are, talk, they are singing worship songs from the temple while Jesus is being tied to the cross about the Lord lifting him up on his right side. Jesus is the right hand of the Father. Down to every single detail, down to the worship music. Pastor Deegan, Pastor Yolanda. He prepped 1,400 years in advance to sing the right worship songs at the right time so that his son had everything was in place. The worship music, the way they took the, the, the meal, the way every single dot on the eyes was covered, guys. He was a sacrificial lamb. More, the priest would worship, uh, worship to this and also... Christ was taken off the cross and laid in a tomb at 3 p.m. We know this because the scripture says this. Do you know what time that the lamb is actually, his neck is cut? 3 p.m. It's the same time that they are sacrificing the lamb, Jesus is taken off the cross because he's gone. The priests even say at the end of the sacrifice... This is Jewish tradition. You can ask uh, anybody, even a normal Jew that's not a messianic Jew. At the end of every sacrifice, they would say, it is finished. What did Jesus say at the end? It is finished. I'm telling you, when you grasp what God wanted us to realize throughout the Old Testament and how special his son was and how special that moment was, then we will celebrate Holy Week in a whole nother fashion Prophecy fulfilled speaks to the hope of who we are, that he doesn't start something and not finish it. He finishes everything with detail. Every single word that goes forth from his, from his throne is finished in your life. You need to know that this is about you, that the cross was about your sin and your life and your resurrection power and your overcoming power. And if he spoke it from his throne about you, that means he has to finish it because that is who he is. He's a God that finishes what he starts. My husband would say at this point, I'm preaching really good and I'm just going to need some more amens. I mean, I'm sweating like TD Jakes up here. I'm telling you what. Whew. (laughs) I'm going to blow your mind just one more time. You ready? I'm going to read. Now, this is pretty deep, okay? I know the kids are in here, so just try to explain it to them later. I don't even know if you can. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Now, listen and understand. Everybody say, understand, exclamation point. Exclamation point. He wants you to understand this, and it is hard to understand. I sat and racked my brain for hours, and then finally I took it to a mathematical genius, my my brother-in-law, Ryan, and he sat down, and it, it took him a minute. It did. I know he's back there. It took him a minute, too. Now, listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the commandment is given to rebuild Jerusalem with a ruler. The anointed one comes. Okay? Say, the anointed one comes. Okay, so what he's saying is, this is Daniel, and he is prophesying about Messiah coming. And he said, you will know who he is in seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. My gosh. I mean, y'all don't know the kind of stress that's on me right now. I'm just not mathematical, and the, the amount of stress on me to get this right is uh, uh, it's way out there. Jerusalem will be rebuilt, and the streets, everybody say, and the streets... And the strong defenses, despite the perilous times. Now, this prophecy was given 500 years in advance to Christ. Okay? I'm going to get, we're, we're going to learn how. Let me, actually not 500, it's a little less than that. Let's start with, let's break the scripture down. What is Shabbat, Shabuah, excuse me. It, that is uh, Hebrew for a week of years, which is seven years. Everybody follow me. You might want to write this down because it's going to blow your mind. Seven years. Okay, next. Seven plus 62 weeks is 69 weeks of years. Okay, so that's what he's talking about. He's, he basically, Daniel's saying 69 weeks of years is when you will know who the Messiah is that we have talked about for 1400 years okay 69 times 7 is 483 years 483 times 360 which is the days because you have to you have to break it into days because you have to account for a leap year and the only way you can do that is with 0.25 okay so I know this is this is blowing some people right now I know so we break it into days, 173,880 days. Okay. Divided it by 365.25. The 0. 0.25 is for the leap year. Yeah. Okay. It equals 476 years. Converted, Converting the prophecy to days. Okay. Now, In March 14th, 445 B.C., the commandment by, let me get his name right. Holy Lord, help me. Artaxerxes, the first, is to rebuild Jerusalem and its walls. Don't be confused because prophecy is down to the word, literally every single detail. There were several kings that said they were going to rebuild Jerusalem, but none but one. This one, Artaxerxes, said, I will rebuild Jerusalem and its walls. The prophecy is very, very much in the details, okay? So he gives the command in March 14th of 445 B.C. To April 6th, 32 A.D. is Palm Sunday. So down, because you subtract one year, because in between A.D. and B.C. is zero, right? So you subtract a one, Okay, that's 476 years. That is down to the exact day Jesus came in on a donkey and people waved branches and said, it's the Messiah. I want you to take a minute and let that sink in. He prophesied, someone who had never met the Messiah, prophesied 500 years before, down to the day when the Messiah would be revealed. And you know what? The beauty of all this is, is that we serve a God that cares about every single detail. Every single detail of your life he knows. I know as growing up as Christians, I, my dad used to say, he knows every, every hair on your head. And when I got older, I said, even the ones I sew in, Jesus. You know those 2 <laughs> Talking loud can laugh <with> that. <laughs> it's true. Jesus knows everything about your life and pre-ordered it so that he could use you in a very specific way. There are some of you that go, I don't even know how I got here. You're right, you don't know because it was Jesus the whole time. I don't know why God would put me in that house. Why, why is that his will to put me in such a horrible house? I'm going to tell you what. He had his hand on you and he protected you and that is your testimony we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, here's the thing that you need to know is that everything he does in your life is orchestrated. Right. Yeah. Have there been some unfulfilled words that have been spoken over your life? I have some. Bishop Garlington uh, Bishop Garlington always said, "I ain't scared when I get on airplanes." He said, "I got unfulfilled prophecies, and they have to come. They have to produce in my life, and so I'm not going down in this plane. I have some unfulfilled words about what God wants to do in Brandon and I personally, and in our family, and in our church. He has spoken many words over this church. He has come when we were over in the in the." old uh, sanctuary, the youth sanctuary now, I remember Ivan Tate came through and said, God's healing anointing will be here and in the other sanctuary. That was before we ever knew we were going to build a sanctuary on. We thought we were looking for another building. We thought, well, my God, we're not, we're going to expand, but we can't expand here because they won't let us and blah, blah, blah. He, 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 he was, words have been prophesied for years about this campus, Niederland campus, Sugarland campus, and we have several words that are unfulfilled, and one of which is that there would be a great harvest in Southeast Texas of souls. And let me tell you, during this this time where we're 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 transitioning the Wednesday night service and we're adding life teams, let me tell you what's going on. We are getting prepared so that when the word hits us, we have discipleship in place, we have relationship in place, we have everything in place, so that. When it's time for a harvest, we'll sit down at the table and go, it's ready. Yeah. It's ready. He, he, we're ready. Use us as you will. Everything's in order. You do what you want now, God. Amen? Yeah. Man, I love the Lord. Yeah. I just got one more verse. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, this is prophecy here again. This has not happened yet. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There are four distinct things that occur. I'm going to run through them pretty quickly. Four, ways that, that Jesus, four things that Jesus went through before he, he died. Let's start with the whip. After his trial, they took him to be scourged with the cat of t- nine tails. This weapon was so deadly, most people died just of blood loss. The law was, it was so horrific that all they could do was uh, do 40 times by law is where you had to stop. Because otherwise, it was too much. So what did they do? They went right up to 39 with Jesus. Just what they could do. If they could have been done more, they would have. But they had to stop. Why were the stripes... Given to him, Why was he beat with the cat of nine tails? It says it was for our healing. And Isaiah says that his wounds were for our healing. Then he went to the praetorium. That's just a really fancy word for the, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers' locker room. And why they could do whatever they wanted in the praetorium was because just that. Nobody was watching over them. It was like the nastiest locker room you could possibly be a part of. And in the praetorium is where the Roman soldiers put the crown of thorns on his head and mocked him and blindfolded him and said, who's beating you, Jesus? Playing mind games with him. What does it say in Isaiah? What does it say in Isaiah? It says that his punishment was for the peace. It was for our peace. That, That crown of thorns in his head was the worst migraine you could ever have And his pain in his head was for the pain in our minds. And when they mocked him, it was for our peace. So, the crown of thorns and the mockery was so that we could call on his peace every time we need it. Next, they went to Golgotha. He was nailed to a cross. The hands being nailed to the cross represent what you do. Have you ever met someone that works in construction and they, their hands are rough and it's because of what they do? And, and uh, that's, what, that's what your hands represent, what you do, what your sin is. And it says here that he was pierced for our transgressions. His hands were pierced for our sin. That is the part that covers our sin his piercing in his hands. And the last but not least, it says he was crushed for our iniquities. At 3 p.m., the soldiers pierced his heart instead of breaking his legs. Typically, on a cross, they broke the legs. But in this case, they pierced the right side and out came water and blood. And doctors have agreed that the only way that when you pierce the side and you pierce the heart and water and blood are mixed together, it's because the heart has already ruptured. So when it says that he was crushed for our iniquities, his heart was crushed at the thought and the pain of losing people that didn't see this moment, that didn't go all the way back to that moment. His heart was broken. You know, it says in the word that that he goes, where are you? He's talking about his father. It's because it was so horrific. It says that the father had to turn his head in heaven. And I will tell you that his heart was broken too. And here's, here's a beautiful example of his heart being broken. The father in heaven while his son is being put to death. In the temple, while all of this is going on, the sacrifice of the lamb is happening at the same time Jesus is, is being slain for our sins. There was a, there was a, uh, oh, I lost the word. There was a way that they got the blood off from the floors of the altar and it went down the right side of the sanctuary where they would sacrifice the animal. Otherwise, there would be blood everywhere. And so. It was, a, it was like a canal, I can't think of the word right now, but it was a canal that would go and go to the right side of the altar and would carry the blood out of the temple. And the blood would stick because it was heavy, so the priests would go get water and they would pour the water in and push the blood out. Do you know that at the same time that Jesus' heart was broken and water and blood were mingled together at the right side where he was pierced, at the right side of the throne of God, water and blood was being traveled outside of the temple. I want you to know and understand how specifically He loves you. How specific God had to be and how perfect and spotless He was. Every single word was fulfilled. Why don't you stand with me today? He is the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. And if it had just stopped, shy of resurrection we would not be overcomers. If it would have just stopped shy, he would have just, the cross was enough, but he had to do more. He had to give us the ability to overcome. Amen?